It's Monday, July 8th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're diving into the new charges against multimillionaire Jeffrey Epstein. We'll give you the background on the sex trafficking scandal and explain why this case is blowing up now. Then, there's been a lot of back and forth over the citizenship question on the census, even after the Supreme Court laid down the law. We'll give you the details. And finally, what the U.S. women's soccer team has to look forward to now. We're here to make your Monday smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about Jeffrey Epstein, the multi-millionaire hedge fund manager who was arrested over the weekend and charged today in federal court with sex trafficking and conspiracy to commit sex trafficking. Announcing the charges, the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, Jeffrey Berman, says Epstein paid dozens of girls, some as young as 14, to give him massages. These massages became increasingly sexual in nature and would typically include one or more sex acts as specified in the indictment. As alleged, Epstein also paid certain victims to recruit additional girls to be similarly abused. This allowed Epstein to create an ever-expanding web of new victims. To be clear, these allegations against Epstein aren't new. He's been accused for years in police complaints, civil court, and in many press reports of sexually abusing children. But he's never faced federal charges. Until now. But this is also a big deal for another reason. Epstein's been connected to lots of powerful people, including former President Bill Clinton, Prince Andrew of the UK, and President Trump. So we're going to get into the history of allegations against Epstein, what these new charges are about, and why you may be seeing some famous names as part of the story. Okay, so first, the backstory. Jeffrey Epstein is a big player. He's managed money for very wealthy people, though his client list is kept mostly secret. He's had homes in a bunch of places, including in New York City and Palm Beach, Florida. In 2005, the parents of a 14-year-old girl from Palm Beach reported that their daughter had been molested by a wealthy man at his home. Palm Beach police investigated and found over three dozen victims, underage at the time, who said Epstein got them to come to his home and massage him. Often, they were told to get undressed. They said those massages sometimes led to oral sex or intercourse. The alleged victim said that Epstein or one of his associates would pay them hundreds of dollars to come back or to recruit other girls. It was a whole network. Last year, the Miami Herald identified about 80 victims. Some of them explained to the paper that at the time of the abuse, they were poor and needed the money. In 2006, the Palm Beach police turned the case over to the FBI. The following year, the FBI drafted a 53-page federal indictment against Epstein. But that indictment went nowhere. Epstein said the encounters were consensual and that he thought the girls were over 18 at the time. And he had pretty powerful lawyers, including famous then Harvard professor Alan Dershowitz and Ken Starr, the guy who investigated President Clinton during the Lewinsky scandal. In 2008, Epstein's legal team cut a deal with the U.S. attorney in Miami, a guy named Alex Acosta. If that name sounds familiar, you're right. President Trump tapped Acosta to be his labor secretary in 2017. So the deal was something called a non-prosecution agreement. Epstein pled guilty to much lesser charges. He had to register as a sex offender, 
but he only served 13 months in a county jail. Six days a week, he'd get to leave jail and go to work. Until he was arrested in New Jersey this past weekend, after flying home from Paris, he'd been free for a decade. That sweetheart deal has received a lot of backlash, especially among Epstein's alleged victims. Epstein has had to pay some of them, but two victims sued the U.S. government for keeping them in the dark about this non-prosecution agreement, which they said violated the federal Crime Victims' Rights Act. This past February, a federal judge said the office of the U.S. attorney in Miami was wrong to make that deal. The Justice Department now says it's looking into it. But now these new charges are out, the first federal charges. They're from a recent investigation conducted by the Southern District of New York's Public Corruption Unit and the FBI. The indictment details abuses that allegedly took place both in Palm Beach and in Epstein's apartment in Manhattan between 2002 and 2005. A lot of the allegations are similar to those in the Florida indictment, but the SDNY says that Epstein's non-prosecution deal doesn't hold. It was signed in Miami, not New York. So federal prosecutors can still bring this case. And they say that when they searched Epstein's New York apartment, they found photographs of what they believe are nude underage girls. To be clear, today's indictment only lists Epstein by name. But part of the reason this case is getting so much attention is that Epstein's address book reads like a who's who of influence. Fox News reported that President Clinton flew on Epstein's private plane at least 26 times between 2001 and 2003. Prince Andrew of the UK has reportedly attended Epstein's parties. Two of Epstein's alleged victims accused his lawyer, the retired Harvard professor Alan Dershowitz, of abusing them too. He's denied the allegations, but one of those victims is suing Dershowitz for defamation. And President Trump was quoted in 2002 as having said that Epstein was a terrific guy, and that, quote, it is even said that he likes beautiful women as much as I do, and many of them are on the younger side. The other weird tie to the Trump administration here, Labor Secretary Alex Acosta, the U.S. attorney from Miami who cut the non-prosecution agreement back in 2008. After that Miami Herald report came out last year, the White House said they'd look into Acosta's decision. But he's still in office. So what's the skim? Epstein's escaped legal scrutiny for years, but now he's in jail in New York City, facing up to 45 years in federal prison. This afternoon, he pleaded not guilty. He'll have a detention hearing next Monday. Prosecutors think he's a flight risk. They say he's so wealthy he could easily leave the country or use his time out of jail to intimidate victims and their families to keep them from cooperating. They say no bail. New York and the FBI teamed up for this, and they're asking former victims who recognize Epstein as their abuser to please come forward. Prosecutors say they're already hearing from new people. It's the ultimate will they or won't they. No, we're not talking about the latest couples drama. We're talking about the 2020 census. Will they or won't they add a question about citizenship to the next questionnaire? There's been a lot of back and forth over the past weekend. We've been watching this drama for weeks. 
The Commerce Department said they wanted to add a question about citizenship to the census to help enforce the Voting Rights Act. But the question was challenged in court because reports said it would lead to a massive undercount. Two weeks ago, the Supreme Court decided there was nothing wrong with adding the question, but that the Trump administration needed a better reason for it. But a better excuse takes time. And time is tight. There are billions of pages of census mailings that need to be printed so they can all be sent out at the beginning of 2020. The Department of Justice said July 1st was the deadline to get the final PDF to the printer. So last week, officials looked at their watches and decided to nix it. They said the Commerce Department would start printing the forms without the citizenship question. But then President Trump went all, stop the presses. He tweeted on Wednesday that news reports were wrong to suggest the question wouldn't be on the census, even though the report cited DOJ officials. On Thursday, the 4th of July, he said that people in the DOJ and the Department of Commerce were spending the holiday working on a fix. On Friday, DOJ officials told a federal judge that they didn't know what that fix would be. But then Trump said this. I just spoke with the attorney general. We have a number of different avenues. We could use all of them or one. One of the avenues he's mulling? An executive order, though it's unclear what that order could look like. No matter what he decides, the president has to get the courts on board. Remember, his administration is being sued over this, including in New York and Maryland. In order to make a better case, he needs his lawyers to back him up. Last night, the DOJ announced that a new group of lawyers would be taking on the case. They didn't say why there's a new team on board. But if they want to change anything, those lawyers will have to act fast. According to the Commerce Department, the census has already started printing. Right now, without the citizenship question. And lots of important decisions are made using census data. Like how to split up the federal budget and how to divide voting districts. And that data is also used by businesses. The numbers they are using now are a decade old. So it's really important the census gets sent out on time. For more on how the census affects you and your wallet, head over to theskim.com money. Californians had an unexpected start to their 4th of July celebrations last week. A magnitude 6.4 earthquake. It was followed by a 7.1 quake on Friday and thousands of other smaller aftershocks. And now people are talking again about the big one. The big one is part of California legend. The fear of a destructive earthquake along the San Andreas Fault, 7.8 magnitude or higher. It's expected to kill thousands, injure tens of thousands, displace hundreds of thousands, and basically destroy whatever city it hits. Experts say the big one is long overdue. It's not a question of if it will hit, but when. So, of course, residents were anxious over the weekend. Here's California's governor, Gavin Newsom, encouraging everyone to have an emergency plan. This is a wake-up call, not for this community. It's reality for this community, but it is a wake-up call for the rest of the state and for other parts of the nation that are not immune from this same kind of activity. To prepare, California is working on an emergency alert system. Cities have enacted regulations so buildings won't crumble during the quake. And residents are storing water, food, and gas, just in case. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from the Women's World Cup. 
unless you spent the weekend off the grid, you probably know that the U.S. women's national team killed it on Sunday, beating the Netherlands 2-0 to take home their fourth World Cup and the prize money. Kind of. It turns out that the trophy they take home is actually a replica. Apparently, one of the two originals was stolen in 1997, so now they make copies for the winners. The prize money is also kind of a knockoff. Not so fun fact, the US women only get to split $4 million of FIFA's $30 million pot. By comparison, last year's Men's World Cup had a prize pot total of $400 million. So they're heading home with fewer bucks and a replica trophy to continue their fight for equal pay. On the upside, on Wednesday, New York City is giving the US women a ticker tape parade and keys to the city. That hasn't been done for anyone since 2015, the last time the US women came home with the cup. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for listening and make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you want to know more about the U.S. women's team's fight for equal pay or the background on the Supreme Court's census decisions, we've got audio deep dives called Notes on our app. You can download it in your app store. <laughs>